Welcome to episode number one of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your proud host, Kyle Roscoe, and wow, am I so excited to bring you guys this brand new show that Howard has so graciously trusted me with bringing to you guys. That is betting and boozing. It's going to be a lot of betting, and there's going to definitely be a lot of boozing here on this type of show. We're going to go over a few of the laundry list items. Then we're going to go through what you guys are going to expect from us here on betting and boozing as we go on through the weeks here on Wednesday nights. And then I will bring on my co-hosts to talk a little bit about themselves. And if you guys are longtime viewers of the podcast, you guys will know them from a special show that we did known as College Night last time in the middle of the, of the year. And we had a blast on that type of, sh- on that type of show. And I'm just so happy to bring them to you guys here today. We're going to go over sports, which is the big weekend with NFL wildcard coming up. We're going to talk about all six games and give you guys our opinions. And we're going to go over the late pick four, the last four races at Gulfstream Park for Friday the 13th. There's nothing like starting a podcast and then right away we're picking game, picking races on Friday the 13th. So it's going to be an absolute best. I'm just glad you guys are going to join us. And let's get into it right now. So first of all, if you are brand new here coming to this show or you're coming back on the regular and you aren't subscribed, please go to the bottom right-hand side of the screen there or below the video player and subscribe. It'll give you all of our videos on your subscription page on YouTube as well as notify YouTube that this is a show that people really want to watch and it'll recommend it to them on their feed. So please, if you aren't subscribed yet, please hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to us. Also, if while you're down there below the video player, hit that like button. It also lets YouTube know that this is a show that people want to watch and it will recommend it to people. Also, while you're down there, please hit the notification bell with all these brand new shows coming out. It's going to be a lot here. So we're going to have our normal show on Monday or Tuesday nights. Our show, Betting and Boozing, Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And then the flagship show on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern time for horse racing, as well as some live shows on Saturday. So please, if you're down there, please turn on the notification bell. You will never miss any one of our content. Now, if you're an audio listener, please rate, review, and subscribe on those three platforms you see below. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor are the three that we use and Our podcasts are always on there, updated every single time after the show. So if you are an audio listener and you prefer it rather than YouTube, please go over there and rate, review, and subscribe. In regards to our power picks that are horse racing related, we have been on fire these last few weeks with the power picks hitting pick five, which is races, five races in a row, picking the winners of over over $1,000 scores have been made. If you are looking for a tip sheet it's just very affordable it's only four dollars a weekend comes out to about 16 dollars a month and it came out to last year it was a 2.59 return on investment which is almost a dollar over the average so if you they're red hot they look great and they're only four dollars a weekend so if you're interested in that please go to hhh rate or patreon.com slash hhh racing podcast it's also below in the description if you're interested also if you are um if you are interested all all of our great information about us with previous versions of the power picks that's all on our website please go check it out if you're interested hhhracingpodcast.com also as you'll see scrolling below there is a new email that you can send us stuff to and i will read it personally and i would love to interact with you guys through email it is betton and boozen at 
gmail.com. That is betting with no G, betting the letter N, boozing with no G at gmail.com. Now, with all that out of the way, we're let's let's get into what is going to go on here for betting and boozing. It's going to be a shorter show than our normal flagship show. It is going to be mainly about sports betting, whatever is coming up that weekend that we enjoy, or and recapping what happened last week. We'll get into the college football uh, playoff as well that went down. And I'm sure I know one of our co-hosts has very strong opinions on that game that we'll go into being an Ohio State fan. But, you know, it's just it's an absolute honor to be here. Um, with my co-host. And like I said, before all, I want to thank you guys for giving us the opportunity and watching this podcast over the last two years that this has been a part of YouTube. And it's just been mind blowing the growth and support that we have, that you have shown Howard and now Pete, Paul and myself. So first of all, I want to say thank you to all you guys out there and thank you to Howard, Pete and Paul for giving me this opportunity. So now betting and boozing tonight, it's going to be a little bit of a longer show. We're going to go about an hour just due to the fact that we have to go through all this stuff beforehand. It is mainly going to be about a 45-minute show. The first half of the show, we're going to be talking about sports, like I said. Anything that's coming up this weekend, anything that happened last weekend, it is going to be about the first half of the show. This week, we're going to go over all six wildcard games with lines, with money lines, and with over-unders, with all of our picks and analysis. It's going to be great. Through the second half of the show, like I said, we're going to go over the late pick four, which is the last four races of Gulfstream Park. It is going to be an absolutely amazing show. I'm so glad that you guys could join us. And first of all, this is going to be just a laid back show. Like I said, lots of betting, lots of boozing for sure, and lots of chat interaction. So if you guys are in here watching, please comment in the live chat about any of the games that we go over, any questions you have for us, or any of the races that we go over later. We would love to hear it, and we'd love to get your opinion on this so that we can bounce ideas off each other and have a great time. But first, let's look at the chat here. We got, of course, the man himself, Howard Kravitz. Can't wait for the start of the show. Good luck, guys. Again, thank you, Howard, for giving us this opportunity. We greatly appreciate it. Jim Pilar's a longtime viewer of the stream. Welcome, man. Good luck with the show. Looking forward to hearing good things about my Buffalo Bills chances this weekend, especially with Tua out. I'm sure there are plenty of good chances to go around in that game. We'll go over that soon. And thank you, Jim. I made the intro myself. I greatly appreciate all the kind words. And Jimmy, thank you. I will not be doing Fireball. That got me into trouble during college. We could just say that. Well, that's a story for a later date. But I'll definitely got the margarita here my specialty and patrick will have something as well that we'll go over but everyone else 20 i mean we have a plenty of viewership so far thank you so much to everyone for joining the show now without further ado i am going to bring on my co-hosts and we're going to get to know them a little more and how they got into the horse racing and betting space first from new jersey my new good friend patrick kunsel and from the Oh, God, I shudder when I say that. Ohio State University. <laughs> Charlie Freeman. Guys, what is going on? Thank you guys for being here. Kyle, absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I can't wait to uh, get after it with this show, and I can't wait to talk about that college football playoff game. <laughs> guys, and we're going to get it right into it pretty quick here. Obviously, like I said, we all know our, our attention spans is, you know, 20 to 25-year-olds, so we're going to get right into it here, but we're going to get into a little bit about yourselves first, Patrick, kind of get into, you know, how you got into the horse racing and betting space, where you're from and, you know, where you go to school and what you do. Yes. Yeah, so as you said, I'm from New Jersey. 
I'm a, a senior at Ramapo College, getting ready to graduate in the spring. Um, I got into horse racing, you know, actually during the pandemic, you know, when nothing was on. And I hate to say it when there was nothing to bet on. And I started to just, you know, run with it. It was, you know, something I liked. And then I just started to love it. And now it's I every weekend I have to be betting on horse racing and, and, and sports, too. But horse racing is definitely big. Absolutely. And like I said, and one I got one other question for you, though. What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a Sam Adams. Got a Sam Adams. That's that's the nice. That's the uh, that's the northeastern in you talking right there. But <laughs> you know how it is, Charlie. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the horse racing space, and where you are today. So yeah, I'm a sophomore currently at the Ohio State University, home to uh, the best football team in the country. I, I don't care what the championship says. Uh, I'm originally from Deerfield, Illinois, suburb about a half hour north of Chicago. Um, I've been into horse racing since I was like four or five years old, but in terms of actually betting on it, I'd say like eighth grade, freshman year of high school. Uh, my uncle used to be a trainer, but he still is involved in horse racing. Um, more like the business side of things, like working with casinos and stuff. Uh, he worked for Wesley Ward. Uh, they're still close. Like when I go to Florida, I still get to like sometimes go to the winter circle or like stop by to see him at his box or whatever because of his connections to my uncle. But uh, yeah, because Arlington, obviously like how it was for you too, Kyle. I mean, it's sad to see it go, but um, you know, that was my home track growing up. So especially once it got to high school, I got out early on Fridays with my friends. So my uh, grandpa would take me and my buddies to go watch the races before we could drive. Uh, and so, yeah, I've been into that my whole life. And then for sports betting, I mean, yeah, I love basketball, I love football, I've been betting that forever. And uh yeah, let's just say it getting legalized in Ohio wasn't a great thing because I, uh, I, even though I didn't have a program, I was trying to bet Gulfstream during one of my classes, which was not maybe the best move, but it made class go by faster. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you what, man, I allegedly I did that in college. Allegedly, of course, I would never admit to something like that. I've done it before too. Don't worry. <laughs> allegedly, 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 we can't can't be putting that out. But again, my my beautiful girlfriend Emma comments that she loves the um the logo, which was made by my good friend, Eric Morgan. So again, thank you to him for making that on such short notice. And thank you to Emma for joining the show. Matt is very psyched. We're getting to the picks, Matt. I promise we're getting to the picks. There's going to be a lot of stuff to go over. And again, he says, what are we drinking tonight? I got my favorite margarita. Patrick's got his great Sam Adams and we're just rocking it tonight. And Matt Miller actually goes, Deerfield for real me, then Howard. And now Charlie, everyone's just from Deerfield. I'm just outside of there. I live two minutes. I live just right from uh, right by O'Hare Airport. So it's pretty close to both Charlie Howard and Matt. But that's hilarious that everyone grew up in Deerfield. But now, guys, I think without further ado, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, let's get into some sports betting. This is going to be a massive weekend for NFL that the playoffs are starting and not with the expanded playoff. Now we have six wild card games this weekend, which for betters is a is a dream come true. Some games are really good. Some games are turning out to be a little lopsided with some injuries that I'm sure we'll go into. But first, before we get into that, I have a big announcement. Howard announced it on Twitter earlier. We have a big $50 contest that we are going to give to one of you guys, one of you subscribers to the channel. All you have to do is you have to pick the winner and put the exact score of what you think it's going to be of the Bengals Ravens game. Place your score in the comments below the video player. After, after the show, go down there and comment who the winner is and what's the score going to be. The worst person that picks the correct winner and is the closest to the exact score 
will win $50. But again, you must be a subscriber of this channel in order to win. But if you, I mean, if you know what, as gamblers would say, free money is the best money. So please, if you want to win, subscribe to the channel and go down below. I will also mention it later in the show, but go down below into the comments after the show is uploaded and give us your picks. We would love to hear it. Now, boys, without further ado, I think it's time to get in some sports betting. What do you think? Let's get into our premier AFC, in my opinion, now that people are out of the Miami-Buffalo game. In my opinion, the premier matchup in the AFC, it is Baltimore-Cincinnati. Cincinnati is favored by a line of eight and a half. Boring line on Baltimore is plus 310, which is about 3.1, or yeah, 3.1 to 1. And Cincinnati is about, in your horse racing terms, it would give it three to five. And the over-under is 40 and a half. Patrick, we're going to go to you first here. You know, what are you thinking about this game? I know Cincinnati, I'll put it up on the screen in a second. Cincinnati just beat Baltimore with basically the roster because it looks like Lamar Jackson is not going to play as well. Yeah, no Lamar in practice today, as, you know, we heard. Um, I mean, I think this game runs through Lamar. If Lamar plays, the Ravens have a chance. I don't know how good of a chance they do because, I mean, Cincinnati's very good. And um, I just think. Baltimore's going to have to get out to a good start. Last week, they played Cincy. They did not get off to a good start, and they were chasing the game. And with Anthony Brown, their third-string quarterback now, they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to have a chance if they don't get out to a decent start. I could see it being close at halftime. Baltimore's got a good run, run game. They can lean on that for a while, but Brown's going to have to make throws in the second half. I just don't see it happening. I could see a Cincinnati covering in the fourth quarter and blowing this one wide open. So I take Cincinnati with the points. That's fair. And like I said, I mean, we saw it happen. I mean, Cincinnati is known for their great starts with Joe Burrow going out in the first quarter, absolutely slinging it with Joe Mixon. Now who's coming to his own again at running back and with his weapons in, I mean, even Tyler Boyd's come back to a little bit to form, with Jamar Chase on one side and him on the other, you know, it's going to be really hard, like I said, with, especially with their third-string quarterback for the Ravens to do anything. Charlie, is that kind of how you're viewing it as well? Yeah, so as we kind of had discussed, you know, like right before the show started, I uh, and I actually did Google to do some research, and it's looking more and more from the Ravens camp that they're being more and more pessimistic about Lamar Jackson's status. Um, so actually, originally my picks were uh, Baltimore to cover and the over, I thought it would end up being not like a shootout, but I definitely could see both teams being in the mid to high 20s and it coming down to like a late field goal or touchdown just because I do think Lamar is that much of a difference maker with his feet and he can make throws. But now I kind of see it the complete other way. I mean, it is the playoffs. I think that is where defenses come out a lot more, you know, especially when it's an interdivision matchup. You guys know we, the teams know each other well. It's going to be a physical game. I think it'll be a lower scoring game. And honestly, without Lamar, I just I feel like the Ravens, it's tough to see them scoring more than like, I don't know, 10-ish points or so. So now with the Lamar Jackson news looking bad, I would probably lean towards kind of what like uh, what Patrick was saying. I'd take the uh, Bengals minus eight and a half, and I would honestly also lean towards the under. Um, I could definitely see this a game in the first half where Baltimore can kind of hang around. And then late, I just think their offense can't move. The defense gets tired from constant three and outs and uh, Bengals put them away. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. I'm, I was debating on taking the over. This just this just feels like a game that's gonna we're all gonna say Lamar Jackson's out. This game's not gonna be close. It's gonna be Cincy by seventeen. You know they're up ten points at halftime. It's seventeen seven, and then they go out, they do business, and it ends twenty seven to thirteen or something like that. But that this game just has that type of vibe a little bit where you know it's 
granted, again, it's Anthony Brown who's throwing the ball. Who's, I'm sorry. I mean, if there's any Anthony Browns out there, Anthony Brown fans out there, I'm sorry, but is no Lamar Jackson. If Lamar Jackson's here, this game is a lot tighter with a lot more interest. But sadly, I just don't see it for the Ravens. I'm also going to take Cincy with the points. And again, I'm leaning. I don't know which way to lean for over unders. I'm going to go. I'm honest. I'm just going to be different. I'm going to take the over. Hopefully it goes 17 to 10 or so in the first half and they can kind of scrounge some more points up, maybe about 43 points or something like that. 46 points somewhere around there is hopefully what I'm trying to get at. So Patrick, do you have any other comments on this type of game? You know, like I said, it seems pretty straightforward with this injuries on Baltimore side, but is there anything that can kind of come about on the Baltimore side to kind of get them to be a little bit closer of a game? I mean, it's tough because like I said, they played him last week. Defensive coordinator for the Bengals, Lou Anarumo was one of the best in the league. I mean, he's shown that last year too. He gets to see them on back-to-back weeks. It's kind of, you know, he knows what Anthony Brown is. He didn't know what Anthony Brown was prior to last week. Now he has film on him against his own team. I, I just, I'm not believing they could keep this close. They're not going to stop. You're not going to be able to stop Joe Burrow on that offense for so long. It's just not going to happen. So I, I just, if I was Baltimore, I, I'd lean on your defense and hope for the best. You need a couple turnovers, have to have, have to hope Burrow has an off day, but you, you know, you're asking for a lot. I completely agree. Charlie, finish it up here for us. What you got? Yeah, just kind of building off of what he was saying. My concern is exactly that. Like, these teams just played each other. They know exactly what to prepare for. And I think the reality is if you're Baltimore, you know there's not much else you can do. And if anything, if you're Cincy, like Patrick was saying, there is a lot more you can do because now you know who's a quarterback. You know how to play them. It worked well the first time. You know what to do, and you can build on that. I think the other issue, and this is also kind of why I was leaning under, is I could see this potentially being a game that gets out of hand early, and then the Bengals are like, look, we don't need to risk injuries, we don't need to risk turnovers, and they just take the air out of the ball, and it ends up being one of those games where the second half only has like three, six, seven points in it, whatever, right. and it's a low-scoring game, and then it just gets run out. Like, they could definitely score 17 in the first half, but it could be one of those games where they don't need more than 24 or 27 to win in a blowout against a Ravens team that's going to struggle to move the football. Correct, and... So Matt Cutera, actually, Adelphi Racing Club, I'm assuming it's Matt Cutera. Matt, thanks so much for joining the show. We greatly appreciate it. He brings up a good point, is that the Ravens are 6-0 and on the road in wildcard games. They, and Ravens, he said, they sat a lot of key guys last week. You'd think Hunt, Huntley would play if Lamar doesn't play. Not to saying they'd win, but that's a lot of points. I do agree with everything, and he brings up a lot of good points. I personally, I have no problem. This is just my personal uh, sports betting I don't mind buying points so bringing it down to like six and a half or something like that because eight and a half realistically like Matt said is a lot of points I mean that's I mean to cover nine points in a playoff game it's it's definitely a lot so I completely agree but for me if I buy you know if I'm parlaying or something like that I might buy the Bengals down to six and a half but that's just me that's just the way I kind of like the sports bet yeah Patrick, you got yeah just one thing on that besides Huntley, I don't know if he's going to play because they did say he had tendonitis in his throwing shoulder today. So I don't even know if he practiced, Okay. but the, the teasing, you know, teasing um, plays down or up points. That's a smart way to go about it. If you know, if it's a big spread, because right. I mean, you know, you get a good team, like we'll talk about Bill's dolphins, you know, that spreads big. If you think somehow the dolphins can keep it close, you know, tease the bills to a certain point that you feel comfortable with and parlay that with something else. Right. No, and that's completely fair because, like I said, that's the way, personally, 
I feel like, especially if you're trying to parlay it with a bunch of other stuff, taking a little bit of hit on the odds by buying a few points to give yourself where you're comfortable. Because a lot of the times I'll look at spreads that are big like this. And as you'll see, we'll go into one later that's going to be really big with other key injuries out in that game. I don't have a problem with buying points. I think it's a smart strategy as as well. It, and you could still get a good payout as long as you're parlaying it with the right thing. So I completely agree. Pete Visco, another uh, co-host of the HHH Racing Podcast on other days that's not betting and boozing, says, what's up, fellas? Someone better be picking the charges this week. We'll get there. Don't worry about it. We have, I'm sure the guys have some stats and we have receipts. So I'm sure someone will be there. Howard agrees. He says, bolts up. Uh, the Chargers are my dark horse pick to win the Super Bowl. Let's go. Winning the Super Bowl is definitely a play there, but we'll see how that type of goes, what that goes as we get into the next game. Matt Miller says, I'll personally take the slight hit on the money line odds and adjust it down to Cincy minus six. I can't see this game playing. I can see this game playing tighter than expected. Completely agree, Matt, as that's what I just said. I mean, Matt Miller, I mean, you know, Paul likes to say, you know, betting Jesus or something like that. So, you know, it's a, I, anytime you can agree with Matt Miller, I'll take it for sure. That's definitely not it. Um, he, Jim Blars also brings up a good point that we'll get into. He says the bolts have too many injuries and he just doesn't touch, doesn't trust Staley as I'm sure we'll get into tough to win straight three straight road games. Paul Halloran, another co-host. Thanks Paul so much for joining the show. Appreciate it. Bengals are going back to the Super Bowl. Honestly, you know, if you know, Bill, a team like the Bills, if the goes Bills Chiefs in the semifinals for towards the HC championship game and they take a lot out of each other, I mean, it could happen again completely. And Jim Pilars agrees with them. So I completely, completely can see that. And Pete Visco says he has Cincy money line, Cincy T's, and took the alternate line of Cincy six and a half. So everyone is on the same page here. I like that. Um, I really like that type of viewing. So let's go on to the next game, guys, as we took a little bit of time here. Now that we're through the kind of the premier matchup, we're going to go through these a little bit quicker. So the next game we have is the Chargers game. Chargers are favored two and a half over Jacksonville when they're in Jacksonville. The money line for Chargers is minus 126. Jacksonville's is plus 108. And the over under is 47 and a half. Charlie, we're going to start here with you first. And I know you have some pretty strong opinions about something that we've already talked about with the Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for starters, for my bets for this game at the time, the Chargers were minus two. It's moved to two and a half. Doesn't bother me or intimidate me at all. Um, I love the Chargers in the spot here at minus two, and I also like the under at 47 and a half. I think this will be a close and respect, uh, respectable effort by the Jaguars, but I also know that they're more of a relying on their defense type of team, and I think the only way this game stays close, because you do not want to get into a, a shootout against Justin Herbert, is it has to be a lower scoring game. So I can definitely see this being like a game that's like 24-20 Chargers or something around there, or like 2017 where the uh, where the uh, Jaguars hang around, but I think the Chargers win this game. They have too much talent. I know they have injuries, but I take him over Lawrence. I like their defense. I like with Cleo Mack, Derwin James. They have a good D-line. They, have, they really don't have any holes on their team. The injury bug has hurt them. Again, that is early in the season. I know the Jaguars had their number early. I know people might try to say the Chargers were at home in that game too. The Chargers don't have fans, so them being at home means nothing, honestly. <laughs> Makes no difference. And the Jaguars don't have fans either, so as far as I'm concerned, it's a neutral site wherever they play. Um, I saw we had a comment in the chat earlier about Brandon Staley. I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm a Saints fan, and I really thought Sean Payton could end up there because of that. I think um, – yeah, I think Brandon – exactly from what Jim said. I think Brandon Staley is a terrible coach. I don't think he really knows what he's doing. But uh, I think sometimes – 
kind of like Ryan Day with Ohio State. If you have enough talent around you, you could give it to like a sixth grader and they could figure it out. So I think the Chargers have too much talent. I think they win this game, I think, somewhat convincingly. And they go on to play to the Chiefs in a very, very favorable matchup for them in route to what could be a long shot Super Bowl winner. And I know that's how you feel as well, as a lot of people have felt in the chat as well, that that Chargers team, especially matching up well against the Chiefs, can get that type of run into the, at least the AFC championship game where they might face the Bengals. But we'll see how that goes. And um, Patrick, are you kind of thinking the same thing or where is your head at with this one? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning more towards Jacksonville. Now, the reason why is I think they can lean on the run game with ETN and they proved that against Tennessee. The Chargers just seem all over the place to me. Like when you, you win the game, in the, especially in the playoffs, you win by controlling the line of scrimmage both sides of the ball. I think Jacksonville could easily do that in this game. And at the end of the day, as long as Lawrence doesn't make his mistakes that you know he seems to limit this year, I think they got a great shot. I mean, the Chargers, I, I would not bet on them. I, I don't know if I'm going to touch this game, but I would not bet on the Chargers. That's just, I just, they're all over the place, you know, you think they're going to win one week during the regular season. They throw up a complete dud and then they're huge underdogs and they win. Like this is one of those games where I'm just staying away from and, but I'll be rooting for Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. Cause I, I think he's really legit. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly on board with you in the fact that this is one of those games that I really just don't like either team. Like I said, they've looked really good at some points in the season. And they've really looked really bad in some points of the season. And granted, I brought up the graphic. Obviously, Jacksonville handed the Chargers their worst loss of the entire season. Granted, that was all the way back in week three. But again, the Chargers didn't lose a worse game than that the entire year. But I would personally, if I was, you know, my feet were to the fire, I would on I would take Chargers by three by a two and a half. I don't think the spread's that bad. The the Jacksonville, I mean, the Jaguars are a decent team, just like the Chargers. But I again, this wouldn't be a game for me that I would touch in my type of parlaying. But I, if I was like I said, if I held my feet to the fire, I would also go the Chargers as well. And then our last AFC matchup, which has had a little bit of the steam taken out of it as uh, injuries roll in, but it is of course the Miami at Buffalo game, which Buffalo is favored by a massive thirteen and a half. Ever since that announcement was made, that Tua, I created the graphics this morning for this. Buffalo is favored by eight and a half. Now it's 13 and a half. It's gone up five points in probably about four hours, which is in kind of nuts. Granted, again, big energy news. We'll go into that morning line from Miami is plus 560 and the Buffalo is minus 800 with an over under of 43 and a half. Patrick, we're going to go back to you here to start this one off. Where's your head at? And then, like I said, a lot of big injuries in this game. Yeah. I mean, this is a game that, you know, you could say you want to tease down Buffalo because, it's a lot, 13 and a half points, but it's one of those where you just look at the quarterback matchup and you kind of look at the rosters and it's kind of just like Buffalo should just pound this team. I mean, it shouldn't be close. They had that one, that one game on, uh, I believe it was Christmas night, uh, Bills Dolphins. That was an awesome game with two in the snow. Fantastic. But I, this game is going to be nothing with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. I mean, we watched the Dolphins last week face the Jets. It was a tough watch and uh, this could be a tough watch for Dolphins fans yeah I mean like I said I bring this up here where they only lost by three it was the week before Christmas yes that's right. where they lost by like I said they lost by three but again that was with Tua throwing for two touchdowns Raheem Mostert carrying 17 for 136 they're gonna honestly need a lot 
of that in this game if they won. I mean, Jalen Waddle caught three for a 114 and a touchdown, which helped me in routes on my fantasy football championship, might I add. But anyway, uh, and then Tyreek Hill had a night. I mean, hit a really nice game too. Granted, only 70 yards for Tyreek Hill is a you know it's pretty low for him being that speedy of a wide receiver. But again, nine for 69 and a touchdown. That's it's a lot. It's it, it definitely contributes. And then you look over to this type of game like this, and you'll see, like, it's just. I mean, Skylar Thompson's throwing 20 passes for 152, and not a whole lot else. Granted, again. The running game is what's going to take if Miami wants to have any chance of keeping this game close, in my opinion, they need to tag team this type of run game with Jeffrey Wilson and Raheem Mostert to have any sort of chance in this game. And like I said, I mean, Mike Gusecki was the leading receiver. Uh, anytime really a tight end, if you're not Travis Kelsey or prime, um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Darren Waller from Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, good luck. So um that's my thinking charlie i didn't mean to steal your thunder or anything but is that kind of how you're feeling as well no you're good yeah i mean honestly i think this could end up being one of the worst uh playoff games in nfl history i really see the the bills just destroying the dolphins i mean you have a rookie quarterback in skylar thompson who's not ready for this moment i think he was like a seventh round pick or something he was drafted to kind of be a guy to clap on the sidelines and hand guys their towels he's not supposed to be there um, I know Tyree Kill's battling through injury. Raheem Mostert broke his thumb. He's not even likely to play at this point. That's right. So they I might, forgot I mean, about that. They're going to be having third stringers and fans checking into the game against the best team in the NFL. I think it's going to be a blowout. Um, I like the Bills. I, I, I do like teasing. I like the idea of it. Like with the Bengals game, I like if you have uh, a sports book that does same game parlays, you know, maybe you same game that with the under because that's where I leaned. But no, in this one, I don't even think you need a teaser. If you want to because you want because I like the under in this game some value. I mean, this could be a game where you have to be worried about the over under because Buffalo might just win 49 nothing and ruin the spread. I, I think yeah. I, I don't think you need to tease. I don't see what can I think Buffalo is the most complete team in the league. I think this is their year. They have the storyline to go with it. They're a highly motivated team firing on all cylinders against a Dolphins team that quite honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that the Jets have found a way to continue to make their quarterback play worse and worse. That's the only reason they were able to escape that game and get to that playoffs. They limped in. I, I just, I, I think this is going to be a route. I, I feel bad for Mike McDaniel. He's a good guy. I like the vibes there, but um, he's just, he's going to be enjoying, enjoying Cancun and a nice vacation with his family. It's going to be over quick. I love it, man. I love every single part of it, but I mean, I, I just have nothing else to add, really. There's just no, I mean, I completely agree with everything. This game just, like I said, it is a lot of points. And, you know, I mean, but I might even actually, Matt Miller just took the words right out of my mouth. I might even, same with me. I might even bump up like the spread, take the higher odds. I mean, it's a lot of points, but it just really seems like there's just not a whole lot in this, this Dolphins team right now. And like you, like Charlie hit on, it's my, my thing why I put a bet on the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just that they have the storyline to go with it. They have, you know, it just seems like that type of season where the Bills run to the Super Bowl, they win the thing, and then they say, which again, all respect to everything that happens with Damar Hamlin. It's gone over, it's been gone over a lot in the media, but that's massive respect. He just got released from the hospital. I mean, it's it's an amazing story. And like I said, they will be for three if they do win this. So it's absolutely great. And back where if we're tracking back just a little bit for the AFC, Pete brings up a, a funny point that about the Chargers game that Charlie is the most intelligent one and that Patrick has had a little too much Sam Adams already for picking against the Chargers. But not yet, Pete. Not yet. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry about that. And Paul, again, that type of thing. 
the two fairy is real. The Chargers are going to the Super Bowl, and Rich Strike will win a grade one in 2023, which if you're a horse racing fan, you know all about Rich Strike. Actually, probably if you're not a, very tr- a racing fan, you know who Rich Strike is at this point. And again, Howard, I love it, dude. Don't knock the tooth fairy. Gave a lot of coin. We'll knock Rich Strike, though. And if you're a fan of the podcast, you'll know Paul Heron uh, loves Rich Strike, and I heard that he is working out really well right now. So we'll see. And again, Jim brings up another good point, though. It's that type of thing where, you know, you love the he's a Bills fan as well. He's from Buffalo, but it's too many points. You know, Bills have secondary injuries. DeMar Hamlin was, you know, he I mean, DeMar Hamlin had a really, really nice year as well before, you know, under the radar, nice year. But, you know, back of my guy now, they're third string safety. So that does bring up a good point as well. But again, it just seems like the roster stacked up to each each other. It just does not seem like a whole lot is coming Buffalo's way. Matt Miller, and then, yeah, like I said, you know, we talked about it. The, he's thinking about even bumping up the line. The odds the odds really help. I mean, as you go up to something, especially like 20 and a half, I mean, you're going to get really nice odds, even if the spread is 13 and a half. So, um, you know, Rich, then Matt, again, for our horse racing fans out there, it's going to Saudi or Dubai. I do agree with that. I'm probably leaning more towards Saudi right now at this point, because even if he can run up and catch a piece, of any type of that purse. Yeah. That's money talks is what they say. So, you know, it's just, it's a whole lot of different type of stuff. The tooth fairy is real as the chat confirmed. And like Paul said, the Chargers are going to the super bowl. We'll see about that. Now guys, we're going to transfer over to the NFC and we're going to start with what I think. I mean, again, we all know how this team has a record in the playoffs and everyone loves to never loves to shit on it to be frankly with you it's going to be dallas tampa bay dallas is dallas at tampa bay which i thought was actually extremely interesting they're favored by two and a half dallas's morning line is minus 136 tampa bay's plus 116 with an over under of 45 and a half charlie where do you sit on this one and um you know what are you thinking about you know dak prescott going up against the goat tom brady so, yeah, I mean, this one hurts. I'm not going to lie. This is uh, it's a tough one to watch. I, I can't stand seeing the Buccaneers in the playoffs as a Saints fan. I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC South. I think we are a significantly better team than Tampa Bay. We just do not have a quarterback, and that's why I have to give credit to Tampa Bay. That's why they're there. Um, honestly, I don't like this game at all. I think it's too – it's an interesting game. I think it's the one you have to break down just because Cowboys fans are so delusional. Tom Brady fans are so delusional. So what better way than to have them play against each other? So one of the two most fraudulent teams in the league has to go out now. Um, I think both of these teams are first-round exits against almost any team in the playoffs, but they're fortunate enough to play each other. So someone has to go. And honestly, it pains me to say it, but I'm leaning towards the Buccaneers. They have the GOAT. They're at home. I mean, Dallas has looked terrible. They're up and down. I don't trust Mike McCarthy at all. I mean, he was a fraud on the Packers. Aaron Rodgers carried his career. Now he has to coach his own team and he can't do anything. Um, we should probably go back to yelling at his, uh, the coach of his son's basketball team, if you guys remember that story. Yep, I do. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, exactly I, don't believe, I don't believe in a team coached by Mike McCarthy at all. I don't think Todd Bowles is a great coach, but I think that Tom Brady can make up for it enough to get them through it. I think this one's going to be ugly. I love the under in this game at 45 and a half. That's probably one of my better picks of the, of the card. Um, I don't think I would rather go with a spread for my best bet, but that would definitely be a candidate. I mean, if you've seen this game, Dallas's defense is tremendous. The Buccaneers have a tremendous defense. Both teams have been so inconsistent offensively. Tampa can't run the football. Um, I could definitely see this being one of those ugly, ugly games where it's like 13-10 Tampa Bay or like 17-13 and Tom Brady leads like a late drive to get them to eke out a victory. 
Um, but yeah, so that's how I kind of see this game going. I think whoever wins this game is getting pummeled in the second round, but yeah, that's how I see it going. I mean, that's completely fair. And the way I see this game, the way I kept talking about it was uh, that I said was um, either this game is going to be six to three or it's going to be 38 35 for no reason. And it's just, that's the way I'm kind of seeing this. I can't, I mean, with the way the Tampa Bay offensives looked, I, I just don't see the second. I don't see the second option as likely as the first, but I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady. And the chat's just taken every single word out of my mouth today. Paul just said, bet against Tom Brady at your own peril. I mean, it's that type of stuff. And I'm going to put this up on the screen while you talk, Patrick, that, I mean, that they played each other week one. Don't, don't forget, but granted, Cowboys are a lot different team at this point. Yeah, and Bucks games looked exactly like that score. Low scoring. Yeah. Their offense is putrid. I don't know how it changes this week against, a, as Charlie said, a good Tampa, a good uh, Dallas defense. My biggest thing is, are we going to get playoff Lenny? Because if we're going to get playoff Lenny for the Bucks, they got a shot. But I, personally, I think Dallas has the better team, better roster, better team. I don't know about coaches. You know, Charlie, you, you can decide that. <laughs> but it's – I would go with the under two. That is my best bet. Uh, you know, me and Charlie both have that. So everybody take the over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but is Dallas's offensive line with those two injuries at center and guard going to be a factor? Because if it is, that's how the Bucks can win this game. I mean, Brady's Brady and that offense aren't going to score many points. People are going to say, you know, you can't bet against Tom Brady. I get it. But this offense is not Tom Brady's original offense that he's been with every year. This is not the Bucs when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, I think this is just low scoring. Low scoring, coin toss of a game. I mean, yeah. And like I said, as we've watched, you know, these the Bucks offense leading up to this, if you, you know, no one's going to doubt you for saying that this game would be low scoring. It's just, again, this is one of those games. It's just like the Los Angeles-Jacksonville game for me. It's it's literally whether you know playoff Dallas shows up or if playoff Brady shows up. Like it's it could be literally anything can happen in this type of game. I'm gonna stay away from it. The under does look very enticing, especially as this is like one of the mid games this weekend in terms of over under spread. So I'm gonna this is a game I would stay away from. But hey, if you these guys got their best bets locked in, at least Patrick does for sure. I'm not sure about Charlie, but like I said, you see this 19 to three score line in week one. But like Dallas is such a different team. Granted, even Dak got hurt. Even I don't. I'm sure Charlie can. I don't think Dak's that very good at a quarterback. But I mean, like I said, Dak got injured in the middle of this game. Uh, I mean, Zeke ran ten. And Tony Pollard, who's been um, has been a really great addition to this offense as a quicker back than Zeke, only ran six for eight, and he's changed a lot. So, I mean, it's just one of those games where. I can see it going either way, and this is a game that I typically stay away from in my type of betting. So we're going to keep going the line. We're going a little bit longer here, but like I said, the viewership is great. I greatly appreciate everyone checking out this show for the first time. And like I said, if you were not here at the beginning of the show, we have a $50 contest going on. If you can pick the winner and the exact score of Bengals Ravens and is going to be commented below the video player after the video is up on YouTube, but caveat is you must be a subscriber in order to play the contest we will be checking but and your email we will send you this through email once you guys once you are confirmed win and you are confirmed subscriber we will send you it through email so just be aware that you will need your email in order to win this as well you'll be willing to give your email to win this as well so without further ado guys let's keep the train rolling the next game is going to be seattle at san francisco 
which is San Francisco's favorite, but again, by a lot of points, a nine and a half money line of Seattle is plus 360. San Francisco is minus 460 with an over under of only 42 and a half. Patrick, we're coming back to you for this one. Give me your thoughts on this game and where this game might go. I'm so excited to see Geno Smith in the playoffs. I mean, my God. No, uh, <laughs> good luck, Geno. This defense is, oh yeah. my, this is probably the best defense in football. And um, he's got a couple guys coming after him that, you know, Seattle wins the game by throwing the football. I don't know how they're going to throw the football in this game. I, I don't think this is close. Um, but you never know. Division rivals. I'm going to take 49ers minus nine and a half. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this under was what I was looking at for my best bet. I'm just for full disclosure here. I'm not typically an over under guy. I'm more of parlaying, you know, bought spreads and that type of stuff. That's just the way I personally like to bet because I feel like I have a better inkling on picking the winning teams rather than going over under. But this is where we're going to go. I again, I just can't see Seattle. I love them, you know. I love them as a team. I love that Geno Smith is finally in the playoffs after having a pretty good year. But I mean, this was week fourteen or week fifteen, excuse me. They twenty-one thirteen makes this game seem a lot closer than it actually was. Um, the greatest quarterback in the history of the world, Brock Purdy, is playing lights out right now with Christian McCaffrey running wild again, again, and Seattle trying to play against this defense. I personally just don't see it. But nine and a half is a lot of points. Charlie, what are you kind of thinking on this game? So, yeah, I'm definitely leaning towards the 49ers in the under. Um, I, look, I respect Geno Smith. Love what I what he's been able to do this year. I mean, obviously, at the beginning of the year, like he kind of put it best when he said that he was written off, but he didn't write back. I mean, like everybody gave up on this man. And the fact that credit to him and Pete Carroll and his staff to, and Kenneth Walker's had a great year, just for them to even get to this spot is already a, an amazing year. But I kind of feel like for them, it's like they're playing with house money. I, they would never admit that, but I think their fans and them understand that. They needed, obviously, some help even to get to this spot. Um, I think the 49ers defense is great. Don't get me wrong. But I think the thing that people don't pay attention of to its fact that Kyle Shanahan is arguably the best coach in the league and the best offensive mind in the league between him and Andy Reid. He knows how to make an offense work with any coach. <clears throat> the run game is unbelievable. I just see this being a game where, again, I like them to cover in the under because I think they can get up early. I think that they can force some mistakes and some three and outs. I think that Seattle defense gets tired and then they just take the, the uh, air out of the ball and just keep hammering the football to Christian McCaffrey and win in a dominant fashion. I could see this being a game where San Francisco wins like legitimately. I was talking to uh, my friends actually, because one of them's a 49ers fan. One of them's a Seahawks fan. I could see this being a game where legitimately they win like 17 to three. Like I could see Seattle struggling to hit double digits. think it'll be a blowout. Again, credit to Seattle for a great year that they've had. But uh, yeah, I see the 49ers handling this one pretty easily. Yeah, and I completely agree. Bringing up some comments here about the Dallas game. You know, Dallas hasn't been a grass and Dak has looked shaky as the next comment I'm going to bring up shows. He likes teasing up Tampa Bay for sure. And Chris Mack brings up a great point in that game. We all, you guys spoke about the under and Dak interception. Dak's thrown 11 ints in the last seven games, which frankly, as we can all pretty much say, is not very good. So it's a definitely, I mean, I love, you know, if you're looking for player props, that's definitely not a bad one to parlay with your type of spreads. And sorry, Howard does bring up a really good point that you do not have to pick the exact score. It is the closest to the exact score as long as along with picking the correct winner. So my apologies, Howard. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. And Thomas Spinoza 
thank you for joining the show. And he's one of our longtime viewers of the flagship show on the podcast. So, Tom, thanks so much. And he says the first half might will be close, but the 49ers will cover in the second half. That's, again, that's another thing where, you know, maybe San Francisco gets off to a slow start, but their defense is just holding Seattle and they're able to score 14 points in the third quarter and they win 20, you know, 24 to six or something like that, which is definitely, you know, not out of the question whatsoever. And guys, last game here, we'll go through it a little bit quick. Patrick is wearing the shirt. He's got it on. This is the big game for the man himself. New York Giants at Minnesota, Minnesota minus three. Giants are plus 138. Minnesota is minus 164 on the money line with an over-under pretty high of 48 and a half. Patrick, we have to go to you for this one. What are you thinking? And, you know, do the boys have a chance? Yeah, they definitely have a chance. Um, I don't know if I would have told you that uh, at the beginning of the season or at the midway point of the season, even when we were six and ones. I, I wouldn't tell you that. They have a chance. Daniel Jones is legit. He's a good quarterback in the NFL. He doesn't make mistakes anymore. I'm going to jinx that. I know what's going to happen now. But yeah, he doesn't make mistakes. The last time they played each other, lost 27-24, as we well know, 61-yard field goal from Greg Joseph to win the game. The Giants played them neck and neck. The Giants made all the mistakes in the world. Two turnovers, a fumble and an interception, both in plus territory for the Giants when they were going in to score points. Um, they had two interceptions. They got called back from a penalty and a drop. There was a lot of things that went to Giants. Did not go their way. If they flip the script on two of those problems, I think they they win that game, and there's no reason why they can't win in Minnesota this time. Frankly, Minnesota has not looked that good over the last couple weeks. You know, you look at their record, it is what it is, and, you know, you're in a hostile environment. The Giants, if they could run the ball with Saquon, I, I think the G-Men can do it. I, I mean, it's crazy to think. And who would have thought this spread would be three? Like, I yeah. feel like it would be closer to a touchdown. No, the, the, Mm-hmm. People believe in the Giants, and so do I. Don't make a mistake. You got a chance. Personally, man, you know, I love you. You know, we just, you know, but I think it's people's distrust in the Vikings a little more than their trust in the Giants because, granted, you know, being a Bears fan, I meant to mention this last game. God, I, I hate the Packers. Thank God they lost. I'm going to say it right now. I'm sorry if there's anyone out there. I know there's a few out there, but, oh, God. I, God, thank God they didn't get in. But anyway, back to what's at hand. I watched them. I watched the Minnesota Vikings play live this. Yeah. And I mean, they have the weapons to be able to win it, to cover a game like this, especially. But I, I just don't have the faith in them. I really don't. And granted, I don't have that much faith in the Giants either, personally. Sorry, Patrick. But I don't, but I just don't, I don't have enough faith. You know, a field goal is really not that, not a lot of points at all, but. I just, I'm I'm keep going back and forth in this game. I don't know where to go. Charlie, where did you land? Uh, so yeah, I mean, I know we kind of talked about this in our uh, like a little bit in the past. So I have very, very, very strong opinions about the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, right, if those of you in the chat one. don't know, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, despite being 13 and four, have a negative point differential. They do. The Minnesota right. Vikings were getting blown out by the Indianapolis Colts, who have managed to somehow finish with what like three, four wins despite playing in the worst division in football. With Jeff yep. Saturday, a coach who's literally just there for vibes and having fun and treating it like he's coaching his son's flag football league for fun. He doesn't even really care what happens. So that's what we're looking at. The same team that was neck and neck with the Giants, despite like you mentioned, because a lot of my friends in college are Giants fans because they're from New York. And all they were bringing up throughout the game was them just shooting themselves in the foot. And despite being at home, they barely survived. They barely survived the Bears early on. 
They barely survived my Saints, who are an awful football team early on. They have a bunch of barely survived the Lions. I mean, I genuinely don't know if I've seen a more fraudulent team in my life. I think they are a horrible, horrible football team. I think if they went four and thirteen, if you flipped a lot of their one score games and they finished like a four win team, I would honestly be like, good for them for having a solid season. I think they are <laughs> the worst team in the playoffs. I legitimately think the Dolphins would find a way with their team to keep up with them, even though I think the Bills could beat them forty nine nothing because they are so fraudulent. I don't believe in the Giants. I believe very firmly in how awful the Minnesota Vikings are. So I will be taking the Giants. I will take the minus three. I also will take the over. I see this being one of those games that will just somehow become a shootout just because it shouldn't be, but it will be anyway. You could yep. definitely see this being a game with multiple turnovers, multiple bad decisions by both teams that lead to more points as well. I do also think the Giants have a great defense, a great run game. I just think they have a lot more things to go right. I think Justin Jefferson's incredible. I think Dalvin Cook's incredible. But you also have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. And unfortunately, this game is not at 1 o'clock Eastern, which means he's not going to play well. And that's a big, big problem for them. And again, the other problem is they can't bank on teams that continue to help them up. I think teams that rely on a lot of luck and bailout scenarios to win games end up getting hurt. And I think, again, like you were kind of mentioning, Kyle, while if you look at the record, you would assume that this should be like a seven-point spread. I think the reason it's not is because Vegas recognizes and betters recognize how fraudulent the Vikings are, and I cannot yep. wait for their downfall. I am so excited for them to lose this game. Hey, man, as an NFC North guy, I cannot – I you know, if that happens, put my arms up and say, have at it, man. I love it. But look, as Charlie brought up, this is my big thing for this game. Is Like I said, as Charlie brought up before, the Vikings are 13 and four. They have a plus nine in the win column. They have, a, they are negative four on the point differential. They have won nine more games than they've lost. And they have still less points for them as they have. Like it, it, It's insane to me that a team that wins that much and they don't have a winning point differential. It's, it's actually nuts. The only team in the point winning point differential in the NFC North, by the way, the lions who would have thought that, but that's why, again, I I don't trust the Gi- the Giants, like I said, but I'm going to go with the Giants. Just being the fact that I just don't I, I just don't have any trust in the Vikings. I really don't. If I were, again, feet to the fire, I'm going the Vikings at least fight. If they lose, they lose by a field goal. It's going to come down again to another Vance Joseph miracle, which the Vikings, as we all know, have a very, very, um, as like the Bears, everyone's going to bring this up now that I say this, but, you know, they have a very bad track record with field goals to win games in the playoffs, uh, Blair Walsh. But um, it's just that type of thing where I just I just can't trust it. And I'm you know as my co-hosts feel, Patrick's a little biased, but Charlie and I feel the same way. I just don't see it for the Vikings. Again, I do agree with Charlie though that this game is going to be one of those games that you're going to look back and you know it's going to be under under under, and everyone's just going to it's it's going to be a shootout completely. That's I do feel that way that that could happen. A little bit of comments before we go on. Tanner Hawkins, what's up, man? Thanks so much for joining the show. Greatly appreciate you showing up to support us for this one. Uh, Howard loves the G-Men. So does Paul. Everyone loves the Giants again, whether it's the love for the Giants or the complete distrust in the Vikings. I mean, Marco Lou, this is a new person. Thanks so much for joining the show, Marco. We greatly appreciate it. And, you know, I mean, that's also not – I mean, if Geno Smith plays back to a few games that he's had in there – I mean, if he starts slinging the ball like he has, I mean, it could be close, but that defense is definitely going to be a big task to get over for Geno Smith. But I love it. And then Howard loves that Charlie's bringing it. Racing down wind. Thanks so much for joining the show. Again, we greatly appreciate it. Go Vikes. I can't say, though, I cannot believe I just said those words, but I will be picking uh, the – I will not be picking the Vikings. Let's just go with that. And then 
Um, Jim Pollards will get that as we go into the horse racing comments. Um, and Matt Miller loves the idea of a big bet on Vikings plus three and a half or Giants. Sorry, I just that's the worst thing I've done. Love the bit, love the idea of a big bet on Giants plus three and a half. And there's several, some several smaller bets actually giving them some points. Small one at two and a half. Completely agree, you know, as you go up, especially in a team that's that's the underdog on the spread, as you get into those to cover with points, they can definitely, the odds can definitely be boosted up, especially if you go up. Excuse me, especially if you go up to a touchdown. So racing downwind, I think you might be the only. Uh, where are you guys drinking? What do you mean, Marco? We're drinking. I got a margarita. Patrick's got a Sam Adams. We've been drinking the whole time. The show's been going for 54 minutes. <laughs> Always stay boozing. But um, Marco, thanks again for joining the show. I'm just giving you a little crap. Thanks so much. And the racing downwind, like I said, you might be the only Viking supporter here. But guys. We're going to go in final. Let's wrap it up here with the sports section. Give me your best bets. I know we've kind of hit on it a little bit. Patrick, I'm going to go to you first. What is your best bet for this wild card weekend? And what can we look to see from it? My best bets, like I said, Dallas, Tampa Bay under the 45 and a half points, two great defenses. I don't think you could beat them, especially with the way Tampa's offense has been and the way Dallas has frankly played the last couple weeks. I mean, I just think this is a, Two touch, both teams score two touchdowns and a field goal decides it, something like that. Um, teams are not going to want to make a mistake in that game because that will crush them. So I'm going to go with the under in that. That's completely fair. And like I said, I agree as we talked about it. Charlie, what you got for your best bet of the weekend? Yeah, so honestly, I was flipping between two bets, um, but I know one of them, which was the Chargers spread, is more with my heart, to be honest. And my brain, though, is fully set on the under in the Buccaneers-Dallas game. Um, honestly, like I know sometimes you think Vegas is trying to tempt you. I think Vegas is honestly more so trying to tempt people to take the under in the Vikings versus Giants game. And I think that one will go over like we were kind of hitting on. But I really like the under in this game because I think people that are more casual betters are just going to see it's Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and Dallas and just think, oh, these are two teams that should be high-powered offenses. So they'll bet the over because they think it should be like what you were mentioning, some high-scoring shootout. But I just don't think it will be. I yep. think the people that are truly paying attention, the, the bigger betters, the sharps, those who are really paying attention know what they're talking about, know that this will be an under, like Patrick was kind of hitting on. I think best-case scenario is this game maybe one team scratches 20. I think that would be the best-case scenario in terms of highest point total. So I love the under. That's my best bet as well. I completely agree. And the funny thing is that we're all agreeing. I'm not agreeing Dallas-Tampa Bay, but although I do think that's a good bet. But we all do agree that unders are going to be the play as I'm going to go under I'm actually I'm going to give a teaser out. I'm going to go I'm going to take San Francisco with the points and the under in that game even though it's one of the even though it's the second lowest over under total at 42 and a half. I can really just see Geno Smith not being able to get anything going. I'm sorry Marco, but I just I don't I can see the Seattle scoring about 6 points on two field goals or they score a touchdown and you know the San Francisco wins about a game like 24 to seven or something like that. That's kind of my thinking. I'm going to go San Francisco. I'm going to give one of those teaser bets at about plus 400. I'm going to go San Francisco with the spread and the under. So guys, thanks so much for that. You know, we love, we greatly appreciate everyone's um, viewership and everyone's keeping uh, the comments up in the chat. So please keep that going. We greatly appreciate it as we move on to our horse racing section that will be coming up here. So let's move on with a few more comments racing downwinds best bet is Cincinnati by 13 again a lot of points but again with that injury to Lamar Jackson and if Tyler Huntley doesn't play as well I mean that's definitely not out of the blue whatsoever at all and Jim Pilar's agrees with racing downwind that you know in the Vikings game 
that they have someone has to cover Je Jefferson. He actually likes the Vikings big, as you can see here. Patrick, Patrick, I can see it in his face now. But hey, Giants are getting a Dory Jackson back, so you, but I'm not saying he's going to lock down Justin Jefferson. But they didn't have a Dory in that matchup, and they didn't have a Xavier McKinney. Both are back that in the McKinney, secondary. Yeah. So Correct. That, that's definitely going to uh, going to help him. I'm, well, you know, something like that definitely can't hurt him for sure, especially when you're trying to cover guys like Justin Jefferson and even Adam Thielen, who has the opportunity, you know, to run big. Yep. Yep. So then Dean G, Bill's easy. Miami will not score nine points. Look, if Skyler, you know, Skyler plays like he did last week, I cannot agree. I could not agree more. So, all right, guys, let's move in to our horse racing section of this. It is going to be the late pick four, which again, which is the last four races on a Goldstream's card on Friday the 13th. For it's out of nine races, it is going to be races six through nine. And like I said, so on this show, we're going to try and I know a lot of people are in here from Howard's podcast. It's going to be a little bit more of a dumbed down, not dumbed down. I shouldn't say that, but a lot more explaining version as we have a lot of people that are here, maybe for the sports bets that are a lot newer. So, again, it's going to be a little bit more on the explaining side as opposed to someone like Howard's podcast. But again, guys, we're going to go into it here. I'm going to keep the spreads up on the bottom of the screen for anyone that missed them. We are going to go into race six at Gulfstream Park on Friday. This is it is a maiden special weight for uh for three year olds going seven furlongs on the dirt. And guys, I'm gonna bring up the picks right now. And wow, we are actually all over the board for this race. I have I have the seven in front. Patrick has the three and Charlie has the five. Patrick, we're gonna go to you here as I bring up the PPs with Diamond Cool on top at a five to one on the morning line. Yeah. Five to one on the morning line. You're getting decent pay there. Um, I've, I like horses that go from a longer distance, running longer distances and cutting back into shorter distance. And when you look at this horse, diamond cools, PPs, the horse is actually, you know, is a pretty fast horse gets out to an early lead and he seems to die off in the end. My angle here is at a shorter distance. I feel like this horse should catch this distance at the perfect you know, at this perfect distance and hit it right between the eyes and, you know, win this race going away on the lead. I mean, I completely agree. As you look, um, like I said, this show is going to be a little bit explaining these numbers right here, these time form early time for us pace figures. This is kind of a grading on how each horse runs in the early part of the race and the late part of the race. So you see, as you go through like this horse is a 93 as compared to a 37. So this horse will be out of the gate really quick. Same thing with Diamond Cool, 86 compared to 60. But then you look at a horse kind of like 5150 the six, which has an early pace nine of 59 and a late pace figure of 91. So the horse is going to do a lot of its running late, as you can see by its running line where it starts in fifth and finishes in second. Charlie, I'm going to go to you next. You actually have the five, which none of us even have in our in our top uh, three. It's Adios Papa Chico for Vaughn Hurd. And Sonny Leone. Yeah, so I like Sonny Leone. I think he's a solid jockey. Um, I like what I was able to see from the horse in his last race. Uh, he seems to like the distance, likes the surface as well. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I mean, like, obviously, I know we didn't have the odds at the time, but I think his odds are honestly right where I would have expected. I think this is a pretty wide open race. Um, I was honestly flipping. I liked five and six as my top two. I was kind of flipping between four and seven for who would be my third, but I really think a lot of horses have a chance 
uh, in this field. Obviously, when we get to our tickets later, I, uh, you'll see that I did go three deep in this one. So I do think this is more of a wider open race. But uh, yeah, I mean, I liked what I saw from the horse. I mean, you look at the notes, obviously, like for those who are newer, if you look all the way to the right in uh, like the blue font where you can kind of uh, like where you could click on it if you wanted to watch, it shows that he hit the gate, bumped at the start. So like he did not have a good start to his race, um, but he still was able to have a solid finish, decent speed figure as well. Nothing too crazy. But um, yeah, what I like to see from the horse is that, again, he was good at the distance, likes the surface, and that despite encountering like that adversity at the beginning, he was still able to keep on and finish with a very solid result. Um, if you kind of look, he has been fairly consistent. I know he had that one race with the 46-speed figure that's not ideal. But outside of that, you can see he kind of tends to be in the higher 50s, low 60s, um, which, again, isn't anything crazy, but this isn't also a particularly strong field. So I do like with that consistency, I think he can do well enough, and I like that he's good at the distance. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up on this horse as my uh, top choice. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to go to the chat here real quick that Jim brings up actually a really good point that, you know, a horse like Diamond Cool, as you're looking for everyone that's kind of newer to horse racing, Diamond Cools, these are his last workouts. So his last, he, horses a lot of time have weekly workouts as they lead up to a race. And his last horse's race workout was actually on turf, as opposed to only one of its races that's even been on synthetic off the dirt, and they throw him right back in a dirt race. So pa Jim brings up a really good point that his last work is on turf. Is he just running on the dirt again just because he can't find another a good turf or a turf race? Granted, this horse is by Malibu Moon. I mean, Malibu Moon does really nice with turf runners. I, I mean, that's a completely fair point, Jim, and that's why I picked him in third. I do like his dirt form, but that was, to me, kind of something where, you know, it made me a little bit uh, stingy, I guess, would be a word on his dirt form. But I agree that, and then Eric Anderson brings up, th Eric, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, the switch to Jose Ortiz from Miguel Vasquez, even though I do like Miguel Vasquez, I think Eric Anderson switching to Jose on the lead being that type of rating jockey on the lead for Jose is actually a really good switch as well. So I'm going on top with the number seven. So here, okay. I One thing that I like to preach on the normal podcast is I really don't like horses that are put in first time for claiming races. It shows to me that they, I'm not sure if they have too much confidence in these runners, but granted, Goldstream's championship meet for optional claiming 50000 just so we can look. I mean, the purses are still really high for a race like this. I mean, the value of the race is 50. I mean, obviously, the purse is 50000 The claiming is 50000 But it's that type of thing where, you know, they're still racing for a lot of money. And this horse ran exceedingly well. And as you can look down here, these are the trainer stats for the past year. Terry Pompey over the last year in the maiden second starts is 43%. Uh, in the on the win end so this horse came flying out with a 66 buyer its first time out in my opinion one of the biggest jump ups a horse can take is from the first start to its second start it learns a lot and it takes that type of stuff that's a good point Matthew I'll get to that in a second because I did notice that as well but it's just the thing where this horse only lost by six and a half to Loco Abario as we take a look at who Loco Abario is I mean, this horse was trending up. This was originally a Carlos Perez trained horse for Ron Spatz, who's had, you know, a really good start to his meet with Ired, who won by six and a half, favored at two at two point two to one, just stayed out towards the lead and finished really nicely. It just doesn't give a whole lot of chance for a horse that's likes to come from the back in a race that's won from a front like that with a really nice horse. This horse took a lot of money in its first race. And again, this cold, this blue figure right here was one of these time form U.S. figures 
that shows that a race is actually going really slow through the middle of the course. As you can see, the first quarter mile was 22 and four, two fifths of seconds or 22.41. And it slowed down with the second quarter was over 24 seconds. So when you get a race like that for a horse like this, you want it to speed up in order for those front horses to tire out. I'm looking to this horse to take a big step up in its second class, especially with the two horse that's going to go out for the lead, the three horse, which is going to go out for the lead. I'm hoping this one can sit a little bit more in the mid pack and jump on it. And I'm actually going to go into Charlie. You also have this horse in second. So I'm going to let you touch on a little bit of stuff. This is another horse, another Kozan by Luis Ramirez for Irad Ortiz Jr. So you know, this horse is going to be live if Irad's on it and it is going to take a little bit of money. Right. So what I liked about this horse was, again, it had some stronger workouts recently. Um, I also liked, again, anytime Irad gets the call, you know that he believes in the horse because he tends to be one of the first jockeys to get a say. Um, again, I liked, I really did like his last race. I mean, again, he had to go four wide, as it mentioned in the comments, which makes it tough. But the speed, speed figure was strong, even though like the lengths obviously increased for him being clearly second best. It, it shows that he didn't fade to them be behind four lengths. It was more so that first horse was able to just get away. Um, again, I think the speed figure was solid. I think him cutting back, I think, also could end up being beneficial. If you look towards his first career race where it was closer to this distance, he had a good speed figure and result there. So I do think that the switchback won't be too much of a concern because in the past, the horses look fine at that distance. Again, I love Irad. And honestly, for me, I was flipping back and forth between five and six for my top choice. I, for me personally, I really like those two horses a lot in this race. Yeah, and I mean, that's completely I, – because I was doing the same thing. I just didn't – because I don't – granted, I know the seven's going to take a lot, of, a lot of money just because it is that second time out. And like I said, a lot of people think that the most um, – the biggest jump a horse can take is from first to second start. I know that horse is going to take money, but with this horse gets Irad with a decent buyer who rode him last time out who was bet down to two and a half to one. The cutting back to a distance that he might like more, judging by his first two starts in special weight company, granted that was at a lower meet at Goldstream than the championship meet is now. There's just better competition. I, I just think that the cutback really, it's just, the cutback's really going to help this horse, but I don't know. I wanted to get, like I said, I knew this horse was going to take a lot of money, so I just wanted to kind of aim it a little different. You guys both have the number four in third. I just want to touch, get a little bit of a, Something quick, real quick, before we move on to the next race. Patrick, what's your kind of thoughts on uh, the number four? Yeah, I kind of like uh, Saez coming aboard this horse. Um, he This horse, first time out, ran against the five, who uh, Charlie has on top. And my thinking there was the five has run at this level two times out, was in the money once out of those two times. Um, and the four, you know, first start, ran, ran here. And didn't run too bad considering um, he got – destroyed at the break and you know came on to finish fourth i think he could hit your bets you know as an exotic you know put him in the lower half of bets you know i'm not saying he's gonna win but i think he could hit your bets in the lower end of it i yeah and like i said this is a type of horse that howard loves to play underneath and the only thing that kind of shade uh showed me away from this horse was granted i you know the speed figures right there and like i said he could take a big jump the work he has good works back here but this horse got the benefit of the like i said this is nothing you know against you patrick by any means but you know he got the pace setup that he needed in this race coming from back granted again you could say it's his first start and a horse like this is just learning but he took no money he was 46 to 1 in this spot but again first time gelding you know uh, <laughs> i don't know if i <laughs> chop the nuts off you know you'll move it's the best the biggest equipment change but 
again, you know, this is a horse that can definitely, you know, get underneath for your exotics. I have Diamond Cool in third, and these two guys have the four in third as well. I'm going seven, six, three. Patrick is going three, seven, four, and Charlie is going five, six, four. Guys, let's move on to the next race here. It is going to be, let's see, it is going to be race seven on this card. It is going to be, let me switch this here. Sorry, guys, as, as Howard always says, I'm the editor, producer, and, or not the editor, but I'm the producer and everything else on this show. So I greatly appreciate everyone following along. It is allowance optional claiming for $75,000 with a purse of 88000 for four-year-olds and up. It is actually a really nice field. That is the eight to five favorite is the number two moulage for Chad Brown. And again, as you can look, I'm actually the only person going with the morning line favorite. And granted, again, Kyle goes with the chalk as we, you know, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. But I'm going to actually let you guys both have the number three on top. Charlie, I'm going to let you talk first. What did you like about the number three Bay Street money, which I believe is for Michael Maker and Jose Ortiz? No, Joel Rosario, my fault. No, you're good. So you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, I like that he's got Joel Rosario on him. Uh, Michael Maker's done a terrific job this meet. I think he's done a really good uh, job training. Um, the workout definitely stood out to me. I really liked his work on December 31st, uh, seeing that he did five furlongs in 59, and he was the first out of the or first out of the 45 works from that day is very impressive. Love the speed figures on this horse. I mean, if you want to talk about consistency, being at 85 and above in, like, what is last two, four, six races, 84 if you want to add that close enough, seven been winning consistently been in the money i also like the fact that he likes to kind of sit off the pace and then can move up but that like he doesn't really it doesn't really matter to him how far he has to sit off the pace sometimes it is a little more crowded and he's like fifth sixth seventh other times he does kind of be in a little more of like the top three role i just love seeing the consistency from the source love the jockey trainer uh pairing um and yeah i just see i i think consistency is very very important in these kind of races and i just love what i've been seeing from bay street money and that's completely valid. Patrick, I'm going to let you talk in a second. The only, th- again, the only thing is that I like about this, the only thing I like about this horse, which is what led me to put this horse in third, was the speed figures as we compare a little bit later, which is this number right here. It's kind of the rating that's given to these horses in each race that they run um, by the people that make the form. So the higher the number, the better, as you'll see, go through the 89, uh, which is the top buyer speed figure for this horse is not definitely not the top in this field looks a little bit slow which is what concerns me but as we all know i'm all about our my favorite arlington legends and point me by being an arlington legend winning the bruce d in the last year of arlington which again makes me shed a tear as i say that i'm as patrick do you have anything else to add to the three before we move on to my top pick which is the two uh no it's just the one thing this horse has got into the maker barn and, you know, has thrived pretty much from uh, Rob Atris. Uh, the one thing that I kind of went with the three over the two is, is I need to see it to believe it with the two. Don't get me wrong. You look at the buyers they are great, but I need to see the two win first. I'll have them on my ticket, but I, I like three with Rosario board. No. And that's completely fair. Cause as we'll go to my top pick, which is the two, you'll see, this is actually a Chad Brown, um, and a, and a Medicat stable, which is actually the yellow, yeah, the yellow silks, correct. It was a purchase from overseas. This French horse is running, it was a French horse, correct. Yeah, it was winning, I mean, it was winning stakes overseas. And and I mean, it, it was third by a neck in Do, at Deauville, I mean, which is a really nice track out there in France. The buyers just, I mean, especially this, this horse comes over, runs at Gulfstream Park. Granted, I know they have a new turf course now, but again, just that type of stuff where, 
this horse just tow- not towers over. I shouldn't say that, but the buyer speaker figures are easily the top in this race. At least recently, this horse has lost to horses like in love Kentucky ghost, which it, I mean, if in love was in this race, I mean, this horse would be one-to-one at least in my opinion. So, and I mean, Emirati city man who just ran a really nice race. I'm going to pull up that chart right now. City man won the Fort Lauderdale at Gulfstream park. Not that long ago, about two, almost two weeks ago, as we talked about in this race, I'm going to go with the two and as you'll see later with the pick four tickets that I'll bring up with that bet. I am very high on the two. I'm going to take him, especially with the blinkers on when Chad Brown takes this move. It's not just because they're trying to find something with this horse. It's just the fact that they think this horse is going to do a little bit better. And when they put blinkers on the horse, the horse is going to be tend to be a little more focused and a little bit more forward. I like that this horse has a lot of tactical speed, hopefully can sit in like the second flight, probably third to fourth. Well, and then tip out right at the top of stretch and get the first run at everybody and hopefully just blow by this field. But I'm going to go with the two in this race with Paul. Paul's this is why Paul's my favorite. He's, he's a very uh, and Jim Pollard's a great. You guys are just on the same page tonight. But yeah, Paul, I completely agree with you. Jim says that he's going to be a lot of singles on these tickets. And I will be one of those people, as you'll see later, Jim. I will also be one of those people. But we'll get into that. I just think he's just totally like I said, especially a horse coming from winning stakes at Doville or not winning stakes at Doville, showing in stakes in Doville and winning stakes overseas to this these type of races. You know, it is a really nice race, but it just seems like this horse just for me personally outclasses this field. Char- uh, Charlie, I'm going to go to you because you actually have two horses that we don't have in our top three. You have the sky's not falling for Emisial Jaramillo and Michael Trombetta. Yeah, so um, with the six horse, uh, sky is not falling. I, uh, yeah, I really liked his last two efforts a lot. Again, speed figures looking solid. Again, I like that, um, especially in his last race at Gulfstream again. So he likes the track, uh, likes the distance as well. I liked how he finished that race. Um, again, I tend to like, I'm not really the biggest fan of speed horses, especially in um, longer distance races. Um, so like for me, even though it might seem like not a big difference, most people, even if it is like a stalker who is just sitting a little off them, I still would honestly prefer that just because I think a lot of the time speed horses can run themselves out of races. Um, and I feel like the one thing I've kind of noticed, at least for me personally, from betting at Gulfstream versus Arlington, is it's a lot more often from what I've experienced at Gulfstream that stalkers are able to then make the move and get them versus what I'm more used to at Arlington is with that longer straight that um, closers are able to kind of get there, which doesn't mm-hmm. happen, at least from my experience, quite as much as Gulfstream. So I've definitely grown to start to have more of a feeling towards the stalker horses. Yeah, I love how this horse has looked recently. Really love that last effort, and I really do think it's an effort it can build on. And again, I love uh, Haramio at this track as well. No, and I mean, I completely agree. I mean, this this number fits with everyone else that, um, you know, with the number two I just talked about being his best race is 95. Personally, I just think, again, this is kind of going off the last race as well. And Charlie, like I said, I don't mean to – I'm not trying to come at you guys or anything. But this last race being a 95 buyer, but again, you see these numbers – that this horse is sitting towards the back of the field with these really red hot pace figures that this horse just got that setup that he needed in this race. I mean, going 22, even granted it's, you know, Gulfstream's a very hard turf course. So a lot of these, you know, a lot of these racehorses go a lot quicker on courses like this. It's the same story that if you bet out in California, there's a lot faster times out there, but I just, again, I just think he might've benefited, but that number definitely fits for sure. And Charlie, I'm gonna let you finish up with the number eight, breaking the rules. This, this, this is hitting me home here because this is a horse. I really, really wanted to pick third. I I just couldn't do it with how this horse, again, 
this horse has a lot of back numbers that would be able to really fit in this race, which I'm sure is what you looked at, but I'm not sure. I wasn't sure about recency. I mean, yeah, to be honest, looking at this now, I, uh, I probably would lean more. So like I would probably update my ticket and change my top three to put in the two in there. Um, I think he's the safer bet. I honestly was just trying to be different. Cause when I was looking yep. at this, I had a feeling everybody would be all over the two. Um, again, I'm not usually this risky, so I probably would put the two in my top three and update my ticket. That being said, yeah, you kind of hit it on the head. I mean, I love Tyler Gaffleone. He's my favorite jockey in the world. So for me, just seeing him on a horse alone usually will make my eyes go right to that horse and at least have to consider it. But uh, yeah, no, I would definitely also say, though, like you were kind of mentioned, I was looking a lot more at his earlier races than his mm -hmm. late. Um, but I do, again, believe I yep. feel like with Tyler getting the assignment as well that, again, he's also one of those guys. I'd say it's like him. Uh, I read and Louis size were probably the three that tend to get the best assignments. So I do feel like if he's on this horse, he must also still see something in this horse and believe that it can get back to that form of old. So admittedly, that is kind of what I am banking on. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of, kind of hit the nail on the head, definitely banking on it to get back to where it was. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, just to bring up a few more, Marco Lou, again, speed horses can rate. You know, it's not like all speed horses go to the lead, and that's exactly what I agree with. I'm thinking the two has a lot of tactical speed, especially with the blinkers on that he, where he can rate like that, but that is a very good point to bring up. Howard also said brings up a really good point that he says on Friday, the rails, which so the turf course is so, you know, it's so far deep. There's rail portable rails that get moved out to be able to um, – to not use the same like turf running course as every day. So when rails are farther out, speed tends to hold a little bit better, so which could help a lot of, you know, the horses that go more to the front and the weather's been dry lately, turf course getting firmer, which again allows for those faster fractions. So I completely agree with everything you guys said. Again, I don't really have anything more to add. We've all talked about our horses. I guess, no, we actually didn't talk about the number five English B which is coming off a pretty long layoff of grand motion. Patrick, you have this horse in third. I have this horse in second. What did you like about this horse before we move on? Yeah, this, this horse has run against some good company. I mean, you look at the dinner party uh, back at Pimlico. I believe that was for the um, Preakness undercard. Um, that's that's a big race. Um, I, he ran against uh, Moulage three out, three back. The horse took a big layoff, So and uh, grand motion's actually – very decent off layoffs yeah. winning at 28%. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ride with that number and hopefully he can pick up a piece, maybe throw a trifecta of uh two, three, five. Absolutely. And like, I completely agree. I had this stat actually right here where in the last five years, he was 22 for 188 with 53% in the money off of that long layoff. And this horse definitely has numbers that can fit. I'm just a little concerned that this horse might need the race yeah. in order to get there. So I'm going to go two, five, three Patrick's going three, two, five and Charlie's going three, six, eight guys are running a little long here. So let's get moving onto the next race here. It is going to be race eight at Gulfstream park on Thursday, on Friday. It is allowance optional claiming 25,000 purse of 86,000 for four year olds and upward with the, the, with the favorite being the number one nitrous channel for George Weaver and Louis size just to bring up the entries there with a horse that we haven't seen a whole lot of recently and who is on the Kentucky Derby trail in giant game. And I see, as I bring up the picks here, give me one second. As I bring up the picks, Char Patrick's actually going with giant game where I'm going to actually let him start off here in this race. As I switch the PPs, you want to talk about giant game? Yeah. Giant game. Like you said, uh, Kentucky Derby trail, Breeders cup juvenile hit it. You know, hit 
for there against uh, Corniche came in third. Um, I just I could tell Dale Romans is trying to find a spot for this horse to get him back on track. Um, I, I just I'm hoping that he can. Um, this horse is dropping down in class tremendous. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna run with that. I hate betting on horses like this. I just didn't have an alternative to be honest. Yeah, and I mean I completely agree. The only reason that I didn't pick this was I picked him third. This horse just it showed me, like I said, we were we are here on the podcast. We're going a lot on the Derby Trail last year, and you know pumping out content for you guys. I just I need I need to see this horse prove itself before I can make any sort of bet on this type of horse. I mean. It was really good in the juvenile, really good leading up to the juvenile, and then just went off the face of the earth in his last two races. Granted, against really, you know, pretty stiff competition in White Abarro Simplification. Mo Donegal, the Belmont Stakes winner, is right here. You can see he ran third in that race. Then he raced against Classic Causeway, Shipsational, who's a nice horse. I, I just need this horse to prove itself again. That's just where I'm coming from, and I'm sure that's how Charlie felt as well. I'm going, I'm actually the only one, again, Classic, going with the chalk. Uh, look, I just can't, you know, there's just not to me there, you know, the three is pretty quick. The four is pretty quick. This five is pretty quick. I actually don't, I actually don't mind the rail draw for this horse. Louis Sia is being an aggressive rider. He's just going to send this horse from the outset. This, this field comes up in my opinion, granted his last race wasn't that big, you know, whether he didn't like the slop or whatever it was, I, I just, I just see this horse, getting out to the front and never looking back for me. I didn't single him, but I did go really skinny. I went with the three who actually Charlie has on top. Charlie, I'll let you talk about Bourbon Creed for Ian Wilkes and Irad. Yeah, so with the three horse, I mean, again, Irad's on him. I love it. Uh, I like that last workout as well. Five frogs in a minute gets me excited. Um, I like, as you had kind of mentioned, some of the earlier races that it'll be the second race for this horse, uh, which I think it'll build on. Um, again, I read getting the call makes you very excited. And honestly, for me, I thought it was a two. Um, somebody mentioned the comments. Um, I think I thought somebody had said something. If you could find the comment about how this is a two horse race between the one and the three. Um, and honestly, I completely agree. I kept flipping back and forth between making the one and three my top pick. But uh, just from what I was reading the program, my gut feeling was that the one would probably be like one to one or six to five. Didn't yeah. want to go with the chalk. And the other thing is, again, I feel like I read. I mean, I know Luis Sainz, again, terrific jockey, but I feel like I read also a lot of time is on those horses. So the fact that he's on this one gives me a little more hope. And again, it's a less run horse. And the only other concern I have about the uh, one horse is that the speed figure has con con has continued to regress, which makes me a little bit yeah. nervous. Um, so yeah, I kind of rather go with I read and take a little more of the value play and put the three on top. And I really do believe in that horse. And I do think it is a two horse race. And I completely agree with that. And Patrick, I'll let you finish off with the seven about this this conversation. But for me personally, I think it's a two horse race. I believe it's between the one and the three. Either the three really shows improvement off of this 80 buyer to be able to sit the right trip in this race and pounce at the right time with Irad or it's Nitro's channel from gate to wire. But Patrick's going with something else. Patrick's going with the seven or obviously with giant games. So let's let's move on, guys. Let's end this. Uh, let's end this out right here with race number nine on friday the 13th it is this this race i'm gonna be honest with you is goddamn impossible <laughs> for me absolutely goddamn impossible and we'll go all into buttoned, it here. all buttoned i'm i hey man as we get into it here i definitely don't have the, the freaking wallet for that all button but man it's damn near it and as i bring up the picks and you'll see it in my pick five as well and as i bring up the picks actually charlie and i are going with the same top pick but we are all over the place 
I'm going to start this one just to kind of get it moving here. I'm going to go with Krypton, which I actually, I actually a little bit granted again, is claimed off of Todd Pletcher. Um, and for those who don't know, Mary Epler is a really nice um, Northeast trainer. She races a lot at Laurel. She also does have a lot of strings at Gulfstream that come down. So I'm not too worried about her coming to Gulfstream just to claim this horse from Todd Pletcher. Granted, as we all know, it, Todd Pletcher is probably one of the hardest trainers to claim off of in this race. But I I don't know. It's just this race is so out of it. It's a mile and a 16th on the synthetic. This horse ran a really nice race at a mile on the synthetic, kept on the whole way. I'm really hoping that the extra 16th of a mile is really going to help this Klimt horse. Again, This you can go a million different ways in this racing. Like I said, as you can see on the bottom, the trainer doesn't have the best stats. But I just I just can't. I, you know, it's kind of hard to – you got to land on someone in these types of races. Charlie, is that kind of how you felt with the six? Honestly, the way I kind of interpreted this race is kind of like what you were saying. I think it's wide open. I think there's it's it's a tough race to figure out. But for me, again, when I get to one of these races, I look for consistency and I look for jockey. Like those are the two things I kind of look for when it's a race where you're like, oh, this is a disaster. So I mean, again, you have Irad, you have a horse that its last two, its last three races have really built up from that first race. I think that first race is one you can kind of throw away if you look at the difference since. Um, I like that, again, off the claim, like you mentioned, it's very rare that you're able to get one from Todd Pletcher, so I like that. Um, and again, again, I like that Irad is the assignment on it. Ran a very solid uh, race in its last one. Uh, again, I believe it's the same, like roughly roughly the same course and distance, a little bit longer, but I don't yep. think that hurts this horse at all. Um, and honestly, for as wide open of a race it is, as it is, and it is tough, for me, it was kind of like Xing out a bunch of horses that I didn't like and then seeing what I had left. And the yep. six was one of the only horses I didn't have a lot of red flags about. So I actually really do like the six. And I think there is some decent value on it in this race, at least at the opening odds. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, that's completely right. And that's exactly why I started picking up on picking them on top. But like I said, it's just kind of one of those races where I had to pick someone. And that's where I landed. Uh, Patrick, you're actually going with the seven on top Leopardi for Jorge Delgado and Miguel Vasquez. Yeah. The horse last time out ran well with Miguel Vasquez. Um, the trainer has pretty solid numbers across the board with first claimers, you know, at 28%, he's good on the synthetic. I, I mean, I'm just, you know, this is, um, you know, I'm nitpicking here, but <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to take a shot with the seven on top and then, you know, play with other numbers, especially go deep in the pick four. Yeah. And I mean, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. And I see a lot of chat. I'll get to the chat in a second. We're going to run through this quick here. I'm actually surprised that someone actually has my nine in here. I thought this horse was going to be kind of one of my, you know, bomb plays. Hopefully it comes through. And what, like I said, and this is the type of race to go for. I see Charlie has him in third. But, you know, like I said, he's ran respectable races. 73 buyer here. Granted, very cold paces with up front, you know, while he's up front and still can't finish the job. Granted, lost to a really nice horse in racecraft, but again, it's just the distance was the one con was the one little thing that kind of uh, scared me a little bit. You see mile, mile, and it's all just you know kind of fading away at the last minute there. So, but ten to one's a good price on this horse, and with Edgar Perez riding, I'm I'm gonna be willing to take a shot on this one. And um, I like the ten as well. Seven to two is really rough. Granted, I know it's Todd Pletcher, but that's really rough. Not playing then, that. Nope, I'm not going to play that seven to two yeah, no with a ten foot pole for God's sake. And then, Char uh, Patrick, I'm going to go to you for the three real quick, and then Charlie, I'm going to let you close out with the other topic, the eleven, while we go into our pick fours. Yeah, uh, the horse ha likes the distance. That's what I wrote down in one of my notes. Um, 
just needs to get to the surface. I mean, I don't know how good that, you know, that synthetic surface is for horses, you know, going on it for a first time and stuff like that. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I think this horse is a lot better two turns, yeah. which as you can see, this horse ran synthetic at five and a half for lungs, which is sprinting one turn really didn't run a lick to be honest. Granted got, you know, the notes say bumped at the start and stuff, but you know, he, I mean, realistically he didn't run a lick. His good races have come at a mile on the 16th. Granted they were all on turf, but turf runners a lot of the time do translate over. I see a lot of love in the chat for the two, which uh, racing downwind loves some too. Uh, Paul Howard is the two and second. This horse is really interesting for Mike Maker. Gets Sonny Leone. His first race ever was in a would he Maker threw him in a turf race with Rispoli, then drops him down to maidens and wins. Granted, about the same buyer, which could show you, you know, it's a state bred. It was a cal, this is a cal bred. So when you see this S here, that's what denotes that it's restricted company for only horses bred in that state, which in this case was California. Got the setup he needed. That's the only reason I didn't take him. He was bet down a lot. Granted, probably because it's Maker and he started in a tur- in a sprint. I mean, in a stake. Sorry, but I just think he got the setup here, and maybe he'll get the setup this time. But like I said, you can land on a lot of stuff. And Charlie, I'm going to you with the eleven just to end out the day. What do you like about El Segundo? See, I love the value on this horse. I would definitely say, like, if uh, I mean, I know a lot of people are here for like pick four related stuff, but if you are someone who wants to just bet this race on a single, I definitely think at twelve to one, this is a horse. You win, play, show on. You maybe like if you're looking for a value, pick up some money. I think twelve to one is. I agree with what you said about the nine. I think ten to one is great value, but I think twelve to one on the eleven is ridiculous value. Um, if you look at the speed figures recently, again for a race that looks like a disaster with a 65, 69, 68, he really has been improving. Um, I really think he'll handle the distance well. You look at his last race, which was this, this or a little shorter, but the right surface. Um, Again, looks like it says in the comments he had a three to four wide bid. So I think that obviously if he can get a little bit better of a trip could help him. But again, in a race where there's a lot of red flags and a lot of horses that don't look good, I think this one at 12 to one looks very enticing here and could be one again where if that hits in your pick four could really bring you some value. I agree completely. And guys, let's go to our pick fours here to end the day. Patrick, I'm going to you first with this. Patrick's pick four. I'm going to read it aloud so everyone on our audio platforms can listen in as well. Patrick is singling the three in the first leg, going three with two, three, five, with one, seven, with two, three, six, seven, eight, ten, which is an $18 bet for 50 cents. Patrick, explain what you got. Yeah, so I'm going to take a shot with Diamond Cool in the first leg and just try and get out of it. I'm going to play a couple backup tickets, don't get me wrong, with singling um, – the Chad Brown in the second leg and the one mm-hmm. in, in the third leg. And then, you know, reverse that obviously, you know, we, we've talked about that before, but um, I'm going to take a shot there. And then I think, you know, the second and third legs, I'm, I think I'm covered with those the two, three and the two horses I got. And then in the last leg, I'm just praying for one of the longer shots on my ticket. Yeah, absolutely. Cause like I said, especially if you get a horse, you know, like the horse that's eight to five, which will probably be more like six to five in that second race. And the horse that's going to be six to five in the third leg. If both those horses win in a bet like this, you're really not going to get paid. So you're really hoping for any type of bomb that you can get. Charlie, we're going to you next. Charlie's actually going skinny in all of his um, in all of his legs. He's going four, five, six with three, six, eight, excluding the two with one, three with six, eleven. Charlie. What you got for me? Explain yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. I would definitely be playing other tickets as well. This would definitely be a miracle <laughs> one to hit. If I can find a way for that two to not come through, that would be something. I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm willing thing is, to though, admit, That's how you get paid, though, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to admit when I maybe need to make an adjustment, I would definitely <laughs> consider maybe swapping out the eight with the two. 
But um, for now, I'm just going to stand on it. Again, I like, again, I want to be different. I think the one race that in my eyes out of all four is the most clear cut is the second to last race. I think you should really only be doing one, three to two horse race, but there, I wouldn't single a race where it really is coming down to two. Um, again, I like three, six and eight in the seventh race. And then in the sixth race, again, I was really between four, five, six, seven. I was honestly debating about just doing five and six, but then I thought I was getting a little too risky trying to do three straight races with uh, only two horses. Yep. And then, yeah, I wanted to be different in the last race. I was like, you know what? I have a feeling with how much of a disaster this is that most people are going to try to have a bunch of different horses. So why not just, again, stand down on, I believe in, in the yeah. six. And if the 11 comes in at a price, tell you what, if someone gets lucky with my ticket, you'd be having a really big day. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, especially if you beat those favorites in there, that's where you get paid in these types of bets. So, hey, throwing out the twos, take a stand. I love it. Jim thinks Uncle Howard only allowed $20 on a pick four bet. Well, joke's on him because I am going with a $30 ticket. Granted, it's for a dollar. I'm going to press up. I'm going to go three, six, seven in the first leg, singling the two, which is the Chad Brown, going what I think is a two horse race with the one, three. And then I'm going four, six, eight, nine, ten again. The last race is an absolute damn disaster. You know, you can land on so many different horses in that last race, obviously. And like I said, it's kind of sucks because we're not going to be able to look at the board in the last race, which granted the bets like these are already locked in. So you can see, you know, who's playing, which horses are favored in those types of pools. But again, I'm going three, six, seven. I'm pretty confident with those three. I'm singling the Chad Brown. I'm, I think it's only those two in the third leg for me. And then I'm just yeah, spreading in, like Patrick said, throwing up a prayer. Hail Mary, Aaron Rodgers style, who is shudder, but we'll try and go with it. Guys, I just want to say right now, I'm going to put this full screen. Thank you guys so much for everything. It's been an absolute blast on this first episode of Betting and Booze. Granted, we went a little bit longer than what I was aiming for. I'm hoping that this show is going to be usually a 45-minute show, maximum 55 minutes. It's going to be a quick one. We're going to go over sports really quick, and we're going to go over horse racing. But, again, such a big – the NFL has such a big weekend this week with six games. I wanted to touch on every one. Granted that this is a brand-new addition to this channel, being that sports betting is. And last thing, I'm going to go with a lot of these. I'm going to go with some comments just to end off the show. Um, let's see. Mrs. Jim still has me on a budget. That's a great one. They have to bet what they give out, right? I always put my money where my mouth is, especially on the flagship show. Marco, you'll hear me say that the budget's 100. I'll only play tickets up to like 40, 50 bucks because that's where my wallet is. I will be playing this ticket for $30 for a dollar. I will not be playing it for 50. I will be, or 15. I will be playing it for what's on the show. Thanks, Matt Miller. Thanks so much. Christine race being on a budget can make you exactly. It takes, it forces you to take some stands and forces you to pick the horses that you have the best the best opinion on. And like, I always say, I'm trusting my opinions. I always, you know, it seems like I always pick the chalk, but there's still a lot of value in these types of bets, these uh, multi-race bets than when you can get this type of stuff, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Paul's awake. I love it. Matt Tear, Thank you so much, man. It means a lot. Emma, thank you so much. Can't wait for next week. Neither can we. And Mark Lou ask Howard for a race. <laughs> we always do. There's nothing like it. Guys, again, thank you so much for everything. It's been an absolute blast going through all of the NFL wildcard games this weekend and through um, and through the Gulfstream pick four on Friday the 13th, no less. Patrick, do you have any comments to close out the show for us? No, I just had a blast for the first time. I can't wait for next week. Exciting, exciting weekend, super wildcard weekend. And you got the ponies running, nothing better. Um, you know, let's cash those tickets and win those bets.
Absolutely. There's nothing better than cashing tickets, especially for the first week of a show. Get us on a smart, get us on a nice hot roll. Charlie, you have anything else to close out the show? Yeah, I mean, I just think we have a loaded weekend coming up with the huge wild card weekend and uh, also with the horses. I'm very thankful it's syllabus week right now. I, I'll, yeah. I'll put it that way. Otherwise, I think I'd be in a lot of trouble because there's going to be a lot of betting. There's going to be a lot of watching sports. I think that's also why this was such a long show. There's just yeah. so much to cover. It's such an action-packed first week to start off. But I also think that's a great way to start off a first show. Absolutely. Why not try to set the tone early? And I'm, I am I can't wait for next week. Can't wait for next week either, guys. Like I said, thank you guys so much for being my great co-host on this show. And thank you to everybody who showed up for the first episode of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Rock Racing Podcast. We couldn't thank you guys enough for showing out. It's been an absolute great show with a lot of viewership. So once again, from the bottom of my heart and my co-host, thank you guys so much. For my co-hosts, Patrick Kunzel and Charlie Freeman, this has been Kyle Roscoe, and this has been episode number one of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. Once again, our next show will be tomorrow night as my other co-hosts, Howard, Pete, and Paul, cover the late pick five bet at Oaklawn for this weekend. Once again, guys, thank you so much, and everybody, have a good night. Thanks so much.